Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Hey, I was, I was praying, just seeking the Lord, you know, at the close of our last series of messages, and I just began to ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to share with your people? And uh, what is the word for this body for, in such a time as this? And I just simply felt the Lord speak a word to me, and that word was stewardship. And, uh, you know, I, I felt led as I was speaking, as I was praying, of course, as I said, that, that I would share about stewardship. And in my mind, in my natural mind, I automatically went to uh, the normal things that you would associate when we think about stewardship, and that is how to take care of the things that God has provided for us, how to be wise stewards of material things. And the more I sought the Lord on that, I just couldn't feel comfortable with that type of content for the messages. Not that there's not a lack of Scripture that deals with those things, and, and not that it's not always good to review those things. But as I began to pray and just seek the Lord and say, God, what is this direction for stewardship that you would have me take I felt the Lord just impress upon me that for the next several weeks, you and I need to gather around the subject of spiritual stewardship. Spiritual stewardship. So we're launching a series of messages this morning that we've entitled, Stewarding the Soul. Taking care of your inner person, taking care of the you that God has created you to be and purposed you to be. And I understand today that grace and forgiveness are extended to us through the finished work of Christ on the cross. And I further understand that there's nothing that we can do to earn the righteousness that the Lord gives. But I also know this, that we have a part in the prosperity of our soul. You will be as spiritually healthy as you invest in your spiritual well-being. You will be spiritually healthy in as much as you yield yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart, in your mind. And you have a hand in that. And I, I, I want to speak to you today as John spoke to the church so many years ago in his third letter to the church, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. John underscores the importance of spiritual stewardship when he says these words to the church. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health. And all the church said, amen, right? That's what we all want. We want to prosper and be in health. We, we want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's, that's usually our chief aim in these things. But, but John says this, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's my priority as a pastor, is to make sure that you are prospering spiritually. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feet, nourish them with spiritual sustenance so that their soul can prosper. Amen. 
so that they can prosper spiritually. And that's my aim. Sunday after Sunday, when we come into this house, it's to give you something that causes you to prosper spiritually. It's to give you a word to build your faith and to have you be built up on the things of God. You see, the Bible is full of valuable instruction on how to handle material things and if we, if we put all that into practice, we'll be way ahead. But in the long run, it doesn't matter how we've cared for the material things if we've not been diligent with the responsibility that God has given us to take care of our own soul. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this way, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Solomon, who was the wisest man to ever live outside of Christ himself, said this, above all else. Can I ask you today, what's on your schedule for this week? What's on your agenda? What are those things that are just pressing, that are weighing on you so heavily, it almost seems sometimes that the weight of it is crushing, you don't have a moment to spare because the list is so long. Think about those things for just a moment and then consider the words of Solomon above all else. More important than anything that comes with the dawning of Monday morning's workload, more important than anything that's on your agenda, that's on your calendar, that you'll have 15 reminders pop up on your phone for this week, more important than any of that stuff is the condition of your heart, is the condition of your spirit, is the condition of your soul before Almighty God. And, and Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Certainly we can see from Scripture that there's a high priority placed on stewarding one's spiritual life. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing with you several facets of our spiritual life. We're going to be talking about the inner man or what's in our heart. And we're going to speak about that today. Next time, we're going to talk about the outer man and how what's in our heart translates into human action. And then we're going to talk about tending the fire of God keeping ourselves zealous and, and passionate about the things of God. You see, this idea of spiritual stewardship, it's not simply just a one and done. It's not a moment in time when we come to an altar and pray a prayer of repentance and submission and then we get up from that place and we're set and ready. Now, you, you are saved and we believe a degree of grace has been extended to you at that moment. But true spiritual health extends beyond a point of salvation and it's a process in our lives whereby God continually identifies things in our lives where we are deficient and continues to work with us and strive with us to bring us to maturity. And we'll be no more mature on the outside than we are on the inside. So, Today, as we begin to consider again this concept of stewarding the soul, we're going to begin by talking about tending the heart. Tending the heart. I want to very quickly say as, I, as we begin to speak about this today, when I say tending the heart, uh, we're not talking about the, the physical muscle in your body that pumps blood through the rest of your body. 
It's not that part of you that you maybe hear at night when you lay down in the bed and you've drank too much coffee during the day. I want to, I'm not going to challenge you with your cardio routines. <laughs> I'm not going to challenge you on your diet, physically speaking. As we begin to talk about heart health today, I'm not going to, you know, tell you to lay off the fatty foods. I'm not going to tell you that you need more fiber in your diet. Aren't you glad? Because some of you right now are already thinking about a fried chicken leg that you're going to have when you leave here today. As we speak about the heart today, we're speaking about the inner part of us. You say, Pastor, I know what you mean. I know what it means to love someone with my whole heart. And you may be thinking today, you know, a couple of months back was Valentine's Day, and, you know, we pass out the little hearts, and they're, you know, so shaped, and, and we write the little things on them, or they have the little uh, captions already on those, and we express to people that we love them with our whole heart, and it's kind of an emotional sense there. And you may be thinking today of our heart simply as the seat of our emotions, but in the Bible, the heart is so much more than that. It's, it's not only the seat of our emotions, it is composed of our emotions, but it's also our mind, our will, our conscience. Our heart is the source of our feelings, our thoughts, our intentions, and our sense of condemnation and guilt when we've done something wrong. All of that, it's, it's, it's what's in our heart. It comes out of our heart. There are several reasons why we need to give attention to tending our heart as it relates to these things. So I want to return to the proverb that we mentioned in the introduction here of this message. And I want to look a little more closely at Solomon's words. Solomon says that the reason it's so important that you and I are vigilant to guard our hearts is because everything we do flows from our heart. And this verse needs a little explanation this morning, so I'm not going to give it, but perhaps we'll take some time to contextualize this verse. Paul writes to the Colossian church and says this, whatever you do, everything that you do, all of it, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at church, can I tell you for the believer there really is no distinction between the sacred and the secular. Sometimes I'll hear, you know, in, 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 in the ranks of my colleagues, there are pastors who work outside of the church. And they'll refer to their pastorate and then they'll refer to their secular job. But can I tell you, in the body of Christ, there is no distinction between sacred and secular. Because Paul says to the Colossian church and to us, whatever you do, if it's in the marketplace, if it's in the church house, if it's, if it's in the name of outreach, or if it's in the name of commerce, whatever it is, you are to do it heartily as unto the Lord. Everything that we do is sacred. Everything that we do is to be worshipped. 
It's to be done as unto the Lord. So you begin to see there when Solomon says that everything we do flows out of our heart. Our heart is the wellspring of everything we do. And if everything that we do is to be done as unto the Lord, you can see there how important it is that we tend our hearts. So that everywhere that we go, every place that we are, we are bringing glory and honor to the name of Jesus. You see, there's, there's also several things we learn in the New Testament from Jesus himself concerning the heart. We learn this. We learn from Jesus that our speech flows from our heart. Have you ever said something, and no sooner than you said it, you caught yourself and thought, where did that come from? It came straight out of your heart. It came straight out of your heart. Your speech is a gauge. It's an identifier of the things, the content that's in your heart. Jesus continues with this uh, speech to his disciples, and he tells them some more things about what's in their heart. We also learn from Jesus that our sinful tendencies are not uncontrollable natural impulses, but rather they're the conditions of our heart that are rooted in who we are inwardly rather than what we have done or how we behave outwardly. You see, it's not the act of murder that places us in danger of God's judgment, Jesus says. It's the hate, the bitterness, the malice that we have in our hearts towards one another. It's not the physical act of adultery that condemns us. It's the lustful thoughts that we entertain, Jesus says. You see, we're not animals who just act instinctively. We've been given the gift of rational thought. We've been given emotions, intentions, thoughts, and a will. It's it's the me that God created behind this veil of flesh. It's the me that's on the inside looking out that makes me, me, that makes you, you. It's not your physical visage or your physical structure or frame that makes you who you are. It's that glorious eternal creation on the inside of you that God has put inside of a temple of clay that makes you who you are. And everything that I do, everything that you do flows out of that. The way I handle myself in the workplace is a product of my heart's content. The way I conduct myself at home is the product of my heart's content. The way I speak to those that I encounter is the product of my heart's content. The way I feel about myself is the product of my heart's content. The reason that I can't celebrate when other people are being blessed is a product of my heart's content. The content of my heart is the reason that I might be selfish, the reason that I might be insecure. It's the reason that I might behave dishonestly. It's the reason that I might cheat, steal, or lie. And where there are areas where I'm getting things right, that too is the content of my heart. I I need to identify 
things in my heart that are causing me to behave in ways that are not pleasing to the Lord. I need to identify the content of my heart that when I say things and I think to myself, where did that come from? I need to know that it came out of my heart, that there's something in me, there's an attitude, there's a thought, there's something that has given a, been given a place to seed and to germinate and to spring up and bear that fruit in my life that I've been harboring that thing in my spirit and in my heart and it needs to be dealt with. I am the steward of my own soul. I am the steward of my heart. And these things must be found out and they must be dealt with and when I find things that are working against my maturity as a believer. Those things need to be gotten out of my life ASAP. Yesterday if possible. And the first thing we need to do as we're tending our heart is that we need to consider the content of our heart. Consider the content of our heart. There's nothing wrong with you if you're falling in sinful tendencies. You're not irreparably broken. You just have some misplaced content in your heart that needs to be dealt with before the Lord. The second thing that we need to do is control the content of our heart. Control. In ancient times, we don't see it much anymore, but in ancient times, the practice was whenever there was a formidable city built. As a matter of fact, you weren't considered much of a city at all if you didn't have a fortified wall that surrounded your city. And within those walls, there would be gates. And, and those gates were there. The, the wall existed to, to secure the city, to secure the well-being and the welfare of the city. And those gates were put in place to control who came in and who went out. And there were gatekeepers that were set above those walls that they could see who was coming and who was going and who was approaching the city. And watchmen would be atop those walls to watch over who was trying to gain access into that city. And if someone was friendly coming to the place or it was a citizen who was identified, the gatekeeper would give the command and the gates would be opened. And they were permitted to come in. If the gatekeeper saw someone coming and identified that they were possibly hostile to the welfare of the city, the command would be given and the gates would be secured and those people wouldn't be allowed to come into that city or at least they couldn't get in without a fight. And the idea of that is that this was done in order to keep their city safe from attack. And can I say to you, child of God, that your spiritual welfare is under attack every day. The enemy comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And you may be a little strapped for cash right now, and you may not be driving the car that you want to drive, but understand this, that is not the enemy's primary target. His primary target in your life is your spiritual welfare, your joy, your peace, your righteousness. And he wants it, and he's coming day after day after day. And can I tell you, there are gateways into your heart. 
There are gateways into your heart. Let me just mention a couple of them here to help you with the idea. Your eyes are a gateway into your heart. Your eyes are a gateway into your heart. The things that you partake of visually. I want to ask you today, what are you watching? What are you reading? Materials and images, what are you viewing? All of these things need to be closely watched and highly scrutinized because they are a means by which content enters your heart. And the content that enters your heart fuels your imagination and it fuels your thought life. And it becomes an action. So you need to guard closely. Your ears are a gateway to your heart. And I ask you today the same thing. To what things are you listening? In what conversations are you engaged? Again, the things that pass through your ears carry content to your heart and they need to be guarded. Your thought life is a gateway to your heart. What thoughts are you entertaining? What thoughts are you allowing to say, stay? And I've said this a number of times, and if I sound like a broken record, I'm sorry. And you say, well, pastor, I can't help what thoughts come into my mind. Well, no, you can't. You can't control how many birds fly over your head. But you are in control of how many of them make a nest in your hair. And you can't control the thoughts that come into your mind, but you are in charge of how many of them stay. Because Paul said to the Corinthian church, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can bring that thought captive to the cross because that thought is informing your heart. That thought is informing your heart. Now, I know that there has been an era, and I'm going to say this, I'm not angry. Matter of fact, everybody smile. I'm not upset. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm not out by the clothesline preaching to you today. But i got to share this with you. I know that there has been an era wherein these things have intensely been highlighted and done so in a very legalistic manner. And you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that. There, there were certain things that used to be absolutely taboo in the church. You know, there were certain things that you didn't watch on TV. And even if you did watch them on TV, you didn't let anybody else at the church know about it. If your particular belief permitted you to watch TV at all. There was certain music that you weren't supposed to listen to. Nothing inherently wrong with it. It just didn't fit someone else's standard. And i got to say this, that I'm happy that there's a generation of Pentecostal people who are growing up without the constraint of such legalism. But I'm also scared for a generation of people who have either cast off restraint or either never known that they should refrain from partaking in any and everything that this world has to offer. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians and says this, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And I'm not suggesting that we return to the legalism of keeping man's standard, but I am stressing the fact today that we need a revival of concern among believers that quits asking, can I do it, and rather ask, is it good for my spiritual well-being to partake in this thing? You can do whatever you want, but not all of it is good for your soul. You can do whatever you want, but it may not be beneficial for you or anyone else spiritually. And from those things, we need to refrain. We need to be the gatekeeper of our heart that says, this is not good for my spiritual well-being, and therefore it does not gain access into my heart. I've got to tell you, church, I hear, I hear believers sometimes talking about the things that they allow to pass through their eyes and, and pass through their ear gate, and I've got to tell you that I'm often alarmed. I'm alarmed because sometimes it's often things that are of demonic origin. I'm alarmed because the things that are being watched or listened to are often things that are consenting to things that God has called evil. Do you realize when you sit in your living room, you sit in the movie theater, you sit in places, and you watch people being murdered over and over and over again, by default you are consenting. You're not pulling the trigger. You're not doing the act. But by default you are consenting to things that God has called evil. As a matter of fact, it's one of the ten. Thou shalt not. When you're watching fornication, when you're watching adulterous situations. Church, I'm just here to sound an alarm this morning because Jesus is coming. And the Word says that He's coming for a church that is without spot and without wrinkle. He's coming for a church that has its lamps trimmed and burning bright. Not necessarily somebody who's up on the latest trends in entertainment, but somebody who is earnestly seeking the presence of God in their lives. But we partake of things with witchcraft and sorcery, things with occult and paranormal themes, and I'm often alarmed because what's described and what they're telling me that they've just watched is completely contrary to the Bible. They're consenting to things contrary to the Word, but at the same time, they're standing on the Word for their healing. At the same time, they're standing on the word for their provision. At the same time, they're standing on the word for their resource and their rescue. And I'm telling you, church, it doesn't work that way. The door doesn't swing both ways. We can't disregard the word of God in one sense and regard it in another when we want something from it. We have to keep the gate of our heart. We need to be ever watchful of the things that we're allowing through the gates of our heart. You and the Holy Spirit need to make up the garrison that patrols the gateway of your heart. David said this in Psalm 101. He said, I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. I will hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every form of evil. 
What is David saying? He's saying, I will be the gatekeeper of my heart. I'm not going to partake of it. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I'm going to be a gatekeeper for my heart. In another place, David said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to allow ungodly things into my life through my eyes. Thirdly, this morning, we need to condition the content of our heart. We need to condition our heart. One of the One of the hazards of not considering the content of our hearts and not controlling the gate to our heart is that after a while, our hearts become hardened. We will only entertain things contrary to the word of the Lord for so long before our hearts become callous to the truth of the word. The things that we used to do or used to hear or used to see that broke our hearts because they knew they, that they weren't pleasing to the Lord, suddenly they don't break our hearts anymore. I remember many years ago when I was in a different context, I don't, my coworkers don't cuss a lot here at the church. But I, I can remember a time when I went in various places and, and I used to hear the most vulgar language. And I heard it, and I heard it, and I heard it, and I heard it. Until one day I realized I had heard it so much that I didn't even pay it any mind anymore. I just heard it until it didn't even phase me. And I I remember being outside of a large aluminum mill. And I was standing out in the backyard of that place out on the back lot. And and the Spirit of the Lord just began to deal with my heart and said, You know what? The thing that, that you used to hear that you were sensitive to me and it broke your heart when you heard men taking my name in vain. You don't even give it a second thought anymore. I said, God, you're right. Break my heart. I had become callous. I had become desensitized. Just the exposure. And can I tell you, there is so much exposure in this world of ungodliness and wickedness and, and vile things and all manner of evil that if you don't guard your heart, you will find yourself desensitized to the fact that it grieves the very heart of God. You'll begin to be one of those people that say, hmm. well, I know, you know, I know that they ought to do differently, but... The things that used to, we used to do that broke our hearts because they knew they weren't pleasing to the Lord won't bother us anymore. We'll be so desensitized to the things of the Lord and the voice of the Holy Spirit that we'll begin to drift. And though we were once close to God, we'll find that we've drifted far, far away. Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen says this, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. 
In other words, blessed is the one who always reverences the things of God and holds them dear. But whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. And when the thoughts that exalt themselves against the truth of Scripture are permitted to stay in our minds, it begins to condition our hearts against God. When we continually expose ourselves to wickedness, it begins to seem a little less wicked to us. When we continually engage with things that are unrighteous and unholy, it hardens our hearts towards God, and we're in danger of, as as the proverb says, falling into trouble. In the latter part of Romans chapter 1, Paul writes about God's judgment on the unrighteousness of men, and, and a couple of times he says this, and God gave them over. to a reprobate mind, to sinful desires. God gave them over. In other words, they grew so insensitive to the things of the Lord because they entertained unrighteousness with such fervency that God just gave them over to it. Let them them fall and sink to the depths of it. And Paul continues writing here, and he says this the result was this. He says, They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways. Of doing evil they disobey their parents they have no understanding no fidelity no love no mercy although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death they not only continue to do these very things but also approve of those who practice them you say well pastor that could never happen to me it could happen to you it could happen to me And when we've allowed the things to be commonplace in our heart for long enough, they'll cause our hearts to grow hard towards the things of God. We'll feel like the word of the Lord is foolishness. We'll feel like the commands of the Lord and the principles he taught are just antiquated words with little relevance for someone as sophisticated and learned as we are. Our passion, our zeal for the things of the Lord will slowly die. David said this as he continued there in Psalm 101. He says, listen, I'm going to search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I'll not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. You know, one of... Pastor Lisa and myself and in some of the few spare moments that we have, we enjoy going out and playing in the flowers and digging, digging in the dirt. And at our property, there were, there were a lot of things that had been several years, obviously, without any maintenance, without any care, without any cultivation. And we found just a couple of weeks ago this 
this overgrown flower bed. And in the, in the middle of this bed, there was a bush. But this bush was so overgrown by other things that its growth had become stunted. And it was there. It was, it was okay. It was alive, but it was not flourishing. But we got in there with our little spades and hoes and shovels and stuff and we began to dig out. Dig out and throw away and dig out and throw aside and cast aside. Finally, we had renegotiated that whole area until the only thing standing there in the middle was that one little bush. In in two weeks' time, it has nearly doubled in size. Because the things that were crowding it out, the things that were taking the nourishment away from it, the things that were shading it over are now gone and it's free to grow. Can I tell you the things of the Lord cannot flourish in your life as long as they're crowded out by the things of the world. You cannot flourish spiritually when you're partaking of everything and anything that this world has to offer and allowing it a place in your heart. It will smother the work of God in your life. You are the steward of your soul. You are the tender of your heart. You are the gatekeeper of your heart. You decide what comes in and what has to go out. And I don't know about you, but when Jesus returns to this world to take his church home, or I go to meet him, when I stand before him, I want to see, I want him to see the planting of the Lord flourishing in my life. I can name you almost any band from 1970s era music. I have a hard time sometimes up here not quoting song lyrics in order to illustrate my sermons. None of that's going to matter when I stand before Jesus. What's only going to matter is have I made place for what he's trying to do in my life to flourish? And to grow, am I allowing his planting to grow in me? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.